And this is the final week of our series that has been called Disciple. Uh, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10. Um, so if you want to open it up, you can open up to that. Here's just a quick recap of the series. My goal was to redefine the way that we see our role as disciples. That, uh, and so I gave you a number of very simple statements, hoping to capture your attention, maybe get a little bit of your memory, to focus you toward uh, some important characteristics of being a disciple. So week one, we said the disciple of Jesus touches lepers, the untouchable people, the people that you don't want to be around, befriends prostitutes, the bad people. And by living in these Christ-like ways, they offend Pharisees. Week number two, we said the disciple of Jesus goes fishing. A disciple of Jesus makes disciples. It's what we're about. Week number three, we said a disciple of Jesus washes feet. We are all called to serve one another. Week number four, we said a disciple of Jesus breaks bread. We do life together. We allow our lives to overlap. It's all relational, all the time. And this week, I'm going to tell you some of the last words that Jesus spoke before he ascended back up to the Father. If there is anything that's important, it's what were those last words when he had the last chance to speak, what was he going to say? And so to summarize those last words on earth, we would say it like this, a disciple of Jesus goes out. A disciple of Jesus leaves where they are and goes to where God is calling them to do what God is calling them to do. Matthew 28 is where that's from. Verse 19 is what we're going to look at. Some of the words that Jesus said right before he ascends back to the Father. Therefore, go, because of everything else, go make disciples of all nations. Make followers, uh, students, learners, pupils. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make more disciples. So the Greek word that is translated as the word go is the word puriomahi. Puriomahi, and it means to travel. It means to depart, to go. It means to take a journey. It means to go on a road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus. And the, the specific verb construction of the way this is would be as you go, as you are going. So Jesus said the very last thing he wanted to say to his disciples was that you are to go, to puriomahi, to travel, to depart, to take a journey, to go on this road trip. A disciple of Jesus goes out, which is kind of odd when you think about the standard kind of model that a North American church tends to have. And what we tend to say is, let's do whatever we can to get people to come, right? Let's build a a fancy, really nice building and put it in the right part of town and and, and get nice signs that you can put up so that we can get people to come. Let's put out uh, put on the right kind of productions. Let's have a, a big Easter pageant and a super Christmas pageant. Let's do a a concert and bring in a big name Christian artist so that people will come. Let's um, have a vacation Bible school or a VBS, a kids camp, so that we can get our kids to come. Let's go put door hangers on doors to the people who live close by so that maybe some of them will come. And perhaps an equal or bigger challenge for the North American church today is not just to get people to come, which is important. It is So important. We are to be inviting people. But perhaps we need to get away from just trying to get people to come to church because we've got to get the people of 
the church, the people who are called the church to go to the world because that's what a disciple of Jesus does. A disciple goes out. It has to be both. We go to and invite in. So what we're talking about in the church world, we, we, we describe this as the mission. This is what we're about. A disciple of Jesus goes out. So you remember, you are not dismissed at the end, but you are sent. In Matthew chapter 10, we see a little bit about what was going on uh, as Jesus was sending some people out. So if you go to verse 1, you'll see that Jesus gave the disciples authority. He said, you guys now have authority to go out and heal the sick. Um, You've got authority to to drive out demons. And then he he lists the people that he's talking to. And then we get down, we're in verse 5. Matthew, he's the guy who was writing it. Matthew's a close friend of Jesus. They were together for years during this ministry. Matthew wrote it down this way. He says, these 12 Jesus sent out. And the Greek word here, the sent out, is apostello. And it means to set apart to you there. Set apart, sent on a mission. These 12 Jesus sent out. And a disciple of Jesus goes out. He is calling us to go out into all the world and to make disciples. We are sent ones, the apostello. We get our word apostle from that, and it means those who are sent. You are, by God, called to go. You are called to be a sent one. And a sent one, one of the first things we do is so that we decide that we're going to make the message simple. A sent one makes the message of Jesus very simple, very easy to understand because complex, complexity doesn't help. So Matthew 10, 7, um, Jesus is speaking. He says, as you go, poor Yamahi, as you go, preach the message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Understand this. Jesus was and is the embodiment of the kingdom of heaven. That is who he was. That is who he is. And he is very humbly saying, preach about me. Go tell them the story. Go tell them about what it what, what, I, what I did while I was here. And as, as uh, Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. That's what our message is. Our message as disciples does not have to be complicated. Jesus was crucified and buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Jesus was crucified, buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. It doesn't have to be about um, denominational preference. It's not about having better morals. It's not about trying harder. It's not, the message of Christ is not meant to be just a a feel-good kind of positive thinking message. It's a very, very simple message. We as sinful people are separated from a holy God. God loved us so much that Jesus came on the first ever heavenly mission trip in order to give himself, to give his life for us so that we should live and we could be made right with him, not by religion, not by works, not by trying hard, not by doing it right, but only by faith, by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's a very, very simple message. And we are called to take that message empowered by love, wrapped in love, and take that message into all the world. Now, if you are anything like most people, like 
uh, Moses, I think, was hinting at us before as well. The thought of going out and talking about this horrifies you. You don't actually want to say that because you think, oh, what if I get into this conversation? What if I'm in this environment where I just don't know what to say? I won't do it right. What if someone asks me a question? What if I get to a place where I'm supposed to be saying all this stuff, but there's no stuff in here, and, and, and I don't know what to say? I don't know what the right words are. How will I do it right As Jesus was talking to his disciples, I think that they might have had some of the same concerns. And even even if they didn't, he said, I'm going to try and allay those concerns anyways. What would happen if they didn't know what to say? What would happen if they ended up in prison because of teaching this message? And then they're in prison. Now they have to defend the message. So this is what Jesus said to them in verses 19 and 20. Jesus says stuff like this all the time. Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. And he goes, well, don't worry. I'm already worried. Um, But this is powerful. He says, at this time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Because why? We work in partnership with God to work out his mission. It's one of the most amazing promises that you can find in in all of those historical documents that have been bound together into what we now refer to as the Scriptures or the Bible. You go where God calls you to go. You stay connected to Him. And He will give you the words to say every time. And I love when this happens. Some of you know what this is like. You're in the middle and you just suddenly have an insight, right? It's just zoom. Heavenly missile arrives. It comes in. Wisdom from God. You might have no idea what's really going on around you, but God does. And you get a moment, a burst of clarity, a new thought, a way to say it. But we have to trust him. When you go, he will give you the words to say. And my best advice to you is keep the message simple. As simple as you possibly can. Drift back to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He was crucified and buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. That is our story. That is our message. We don't have to complicate it with all kinds of other stuff. You are a sent one. You are apostello. And you are called to puriamahi. You are called to go. A disciple of Jesus goes out, and when you go, you keep the message simple. Don't confuse people. The second thing you will do as a sent one, you must make compassion central. You will make compassion central because that's what Jesus did. And you will make compassion central because if we can be honest right now, for too long the world has seen the evangelicals in this Christian world, and they have basically said, hey, Let's just go take the message of Jesus to them folk. And, and, and you know, if, they are, if they're hungry and they die of starvation, well, at least they're going to go to heaven. So if they die early, they'll go to heaven early. That's all okay. It doesn't matter about feeding them. And the truth is both sides of the gospel are very, very, very valuable. We, we should absolutely tell them the story about Jesus. We should say how he was reset, and we should show them his love at the same time. Now, living out that love is for us to practice as much as it is for them to experience. We keep the message simple, and we make compassion 
central. In verse 8, Jesus told his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And in other portions of Scripture where we have some of Jesus' other friends who have who've written this stuff down, he says, I will reward those who clothe the naked, who feed the hungry, who visit those in prison, and for all those who simply offer a cold cup of water in my name. As disciples of Jesus, we should be the most compassionate, caring, and generous people on planet earth. We make compassion central. Now, this is going to get a little bit personal, all right? Now, imagine that I drink coffee. I know, I know it's not easy for you to imagine that. And for some of you, you might already be thinking, this is an answer to one of my prayers, that Graham would finally start drinking coffee. But just remember, this is your imagination, all right? So imagine that every Tuesday I buy a coffee at kind of a middle-of-the-road coffee shop. So let's just say that my coffee costs $2. Now you know this is imagination for sure. This is one coffee per week, $2 a coffee times four weeks in a month, two times four is $8, right? $8 a month for a little of the, deca- or the, the caffeinated cancer. Did you know that $1.50, not a week, uh, per, per month, not a week, $1.50 per month is what 90% of Christians have given to international mission work last year. Remember, we're supposed to be focused on this mission as a church. We say it all the time. Everyone, everywhere, all the time. That's local. It's, it's, it's regional. It's national. It's international. So you're, you're dreading at this point. You can feel where it's going. You're going to say, now he's going to come and ask for money, right? That's what he, he wants. And I'm going, no, 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 no. It's at the back you want to give. It's back there. You can give online as well. But it'd be far too easy for me to say, give money. Because somebody's going to walk away thinking, I did. I I, I had money and I put it in the bucket and now I'm done. The mission is accomplished. I have done all that I need to do. But instead, there's something, there's so much more. So much more than your money that I'm going to ask for. I'm going to ask for your heart. Your money follows your heart. So where is your heart? I'm going to ask for you to prayerfully identify what could be called your holy hurt. What's your holy hurt? What is it that you agonize about? What is God prompting on you and pushing into you that find that, immerse yourself in that place? What agonizes you? Is it human trafficking? Is it starvation? Is it blindness that could be cured with a couple of dollars worth of medicine? Is it malnutrition? The lonely, people wasting away and nobody even sees? What's your holy hurt? What's the thing that you bugs you? What pricks at your heart so much that you frequently try to ignore it? Have you been blessed? If you've had any degree of blessing in your life, part of our story, story is always that we have been blessed so that we will be a blessing to all nations. That's the story that starts from the very beginning. So for you to grow as a disciple, for you to grow as a follower of Jesus, for you to grow in that, for you to experience the the growth of your faith, you're going to have to wrestle to the ground the relationship between your trust and your action. Evidence of my trust 
My faith in Jesus becomes my actions. Because I trust Jesus, I can now live with open hands and I can be generous and I can be generous with my time. I can be generous with my treasure. I can be generous with my talent. This is the pathway from mere existence and consumption. This is the road trip from surviving to thriving. If you have been blessed, Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, freely you have received. What should you do in return? You should freely give. A disciple of Jesus goes out, eyes up. So come on, let's change the world. Kind Father, thank you for your example And I can't help but hearing in this that I'm tired of holding back. And I'm tired of not trusting. I'm tired of allowing myself to live in fear. I'm tired of of existing in mediocrity. I'm tired of always believing in scarcity, trusting scarcity, and doubting in the abundance of your provision. I want more for me and I want more from me. So Holy Spirit, work in me. Set me free. Set me free to trust Set me free to risk for you and for my friends here as well. Please, allow me to work in partnership with you where you call me to go. For my friends here this morning, God, I ask the same thing, that you would work in their hearts and that we would see this increasingly as the freedom to live in this way, not an obligation, not a have to, not some sort of finger wagging, the opportunity to enter into a way of life that up until now we've only glimpsed from a distance, but to walk into this place of true freedom, trust in you that you will provide all that we need beyond all that we can ask or even imagine for everything that you have called us to do. And we discover these things as we are going. And so as a church, this is where we are as well right now. As we are going, as we are making these steps towards project accessibility, we're trusting you as we go. As we go, we trust that you will provide. As we go, we pray that you will open doors for us continually. That's what you've done in our past. That's what you're doing right now in our present. And we anticipate this for the future as well, that you will continue to open doors for us. Give us the trust, then the boldness to walk through the door, believing that we will meet you there and believing that as we participate in this mission, you meet us in ways that you wouldn't meet us otherwise. So let's put our feet in the water and watch the water be pushed back. Let's trust God with the risk that we have, the small one in front of us, to live out this mission, this mandate for our world. And then as the terms that we've used right now, that we would break down barriers and that we would open doors that we will do it physically in our building, but we would do it emotionally and relationally in the way that we interact with other people, the way that we choose to engage and to choose to break bread together, to share our lives, to serve each other as we go forward, to be able to 
beyond this conscious thought that together we are about making disciples. And as we make disciples, I am made a disciple at the same time. The, 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 uh, the opportunity to share love to someone else is an opportunity for me to display it as much as it is for them to experience it. And in that, I get to meet you in the middle. And that is what I long for, that my faith would grow, my relationship would be ah, more alive, that I would have a more integrated sense that you are integral to everything that is that I have to do. Not a Sunday morning kind of thing, but an all-the-week kind of thing. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would meet us, that you would encourage us, that you would push us, and that your spirit would empower us and remind us that we never, ever do this by ourselves. We never, ever make this walk on our own. As disciples, we are always in step with watching our master. Eyes up, Jesus. We're watching you. We're looking for you. Please, meet us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.